on July the 9th, 2017. On that day, we began preaching through the book of Romans. That's roughly a chapter per month that we've been covering. So I want to refresh your memories this morning and give you just a, a little brief summary of what we've learned so far. In chapters 1 through 3, we learned that every single person on this planet is a sinner and that everybody, all people, are in need of a Savior. In chapters 4 through 5, we learned that true righteousness, that is, true salvation, comes only, say only, it comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then most recently we learned that we are no longer married to the law. Instead, we're married to who? Married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Friend, in today's verses, Paul is going to illustrate to us what he's teaching about this law of God, uh, the Holy Scriptures. And he wants to share with us an intimate look at his own life. Normally, when people come and they stand before church and they give a testimony, they always want to paint a good picture of themselves. Would you agree with that? I don't want you to know the bad stuff about me. I want you to know the good stuff about me, right? So I want you to imagine for a moment someone coming and standing before you, standing in the midst of the congregation and saying this. You ready? You ready? Say amen. Here it comes. What if somebody said, everyone, I want you to know I'm saved, but I've been sinning. In fact, I find that my heart yearns for sin and that even though I know it's wrong, I sometimes still give in to my selfish desires. Please pray for me because every time the Lord tells me to do something in his word, it seems like I want to do it more than anything. Every time he tells me not to do something, it seems like I want to do it all the more. Would you be willing to say that today? Probably not. But if we're honest with one another, we must all realize that this is exactly where we are today. In, those ver in these verses that I'm going to share with you today, Paul is going to be very transparent. Paul is going to reveal a side of himself that most of us try to keep deeply buried. We don't want nobody to know the junk. Amen? So today, Paul begins sharing about something that we all have in common. We all have a war within. In today's verses in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, Paul's going to take us back to how things were before he came to know Jesus. He's going to take us back to a time when the law of God ruled everything that he was and everything that he did. If it wasn't here, he wasn't doing it. It's not going to be pretty today. But this is something that everyone in this room needs to hear. 
because there is a war waging within each one of us. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit. Between the flesh of man and the spirit of God. So today, let's join Paul in part one as he departs, friend. As he departs from the darkness, moving into the light. As he departs from this self-righteous Pharisee and tries to become a God-conscious servant. Maybe you and I have a lot to learn in this area. Maybe you and I can learn some lessons from Paul as we go along our own journey. First of all, I want to share with you this morning that the law of God reveals sin. Romans chapter 7, look in verse 7 with me. What shall I say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. You see, Paul begins here with a question. He says, Is the law sinful? Is God's word sinful? And he says, Of course not. The law came from God, God is perfect. Therefore, there's no way that anything comes from God could be anything but good. However, while we know that the law is good, would you all agree with me that God's word is good? God's word is good, but the, the way that this word points out our sin ain't good. Amen? The law is crucial to our understanding of sin, and sin is not good. But Paul reveals to us the truth that the holy law of God taught him everything he knows about sin. He mentions this sin of covetousness, coveting what other people have. And he says, had the law not told me, thou shalt not covet, I would have never known what covetousness was. He's not blaming his sin on the law. He's merely pointing out the fact that the law of God is plain to show us what sin really is. The law identifies sin and it also points it out to those who will truly hear the word of God. Until his Damascus Road experience, Paul lived his life trying to obey the letter of the law. And you know what he found? He found it's impossible. Nobody can do it. Not one human being can do it. So what he says is, you know what? I, I've been trying to live by the letter of the law, but I've been missing the whole spirit of the law. I've been trying to live according to the word of God, uh, by the letter of the word of God, but I found that I'm missing the principles, the underlying spirit of the word of God. He believed that sin was something a person did, but only in the physical realm. But he learned that sin was also something that begins where? In the heart. Does that teaching sound familiar to you? Because there's somebody else that taught that, that sin begins in the heart. Who did? Jesus did, that's right. Hey, just listen to this. Jesus said, you've heard it said that you shall not murder, that whoever murders shall be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever's angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. 
Jesus said, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said, again, you've heard it said that you shall not swear falsely, you shall not lie, but shall perform all your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist the evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn your other one to him too. You've heard it said that you shall love your, your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The bottom line is this, friends. The law reveals the sinfulness of human flesh by what we do in our actions. But the law also reveals the wretchedness of our heart by the attitudes we keep. We sin in action and we sin in attitude. So the law is really good about revealing our sin. But we found today that also the law revives sin. Go back to Romans chapter 7 and look at verse 8 real quick. But sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Paul tells us that sin somehow uses the law, look at this, as an opportunity to do evil. Now you need to know what that word opportunity means or occasion. It refers to a beachhead. And what Paul is saying here is, is the law creates this opportunity for sin to have a foothold in your life. He tells us that the law caused him to covet because it told him he couldn't covet any longer. You know, we see this all around us. We see this a lot of times in us. Think about it. When you see a sign that says, keep off the grass, down deep, what do you really want to do? When you're driving along and you see a sign that says speed limit 55, what do you do? <laughs> Woo, you bunch of sinners. Good grief. Amen. Some of us go faster than that, don't we, Kyle? <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Let us not point fingers. If you see a sign that says don't drive in the left lane unless you're passing, what do you do? Get in the right lane, amen, I pray. That's my little two cents for this morning. Here's the point. The law reveals an attitude within us that we want to do whatever we can get away with. That's the attitude down deep that we have within us. And you know, it all started a long, long time ago. It all started in a garden. It all started in a garden when men and women were first created. You see, God had made man, and he made man in his perfect image. He put man in a perfect place, and he gave the man a perfect wife. Now, men, tell, raise your hand if you have a perfect wife. You better get him up. It's Valentine's Day. 
Kevin is the only one going to heaven. Boy, y'all are y'all got a lot to learn before now on Wednesday. Woo! Perfect image. Perfect place. With a perfect wife. And then God gave man access to every single thing in the garden. With the exception of one tree. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded. The Lord gave a commandment to the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. How wonderful is that? Every tree you can freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Had not God not given that commandment, we would all be living in a perfect place with a perfect wife. But he did give that commandment. He did give that law. And when he did that, there arose an opportunity for sin to become alive. Do you see? Had God not said that commandment, there would have been no sin. But the law gave birth to, or arose an opportunity for sin. And then you know about how the law of God, the new commandment of God, gave rise to a springboard that Satan used to entice the man and the woman. The serpent. He was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed commanded you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, No, 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 no. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. And then the serpent said to the woman, Nah, you shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Had God just not given that commandment, there would have been no opportunity to sin. But he did give that commandment. And he did call upon us to be obedient. Now we've got to go back to Romans 7 again. And at the very end of that verse, the Bible says, For apart from the law, sin was dead. And when I read that, it kind of sounds like that there was no sin before God's law came to the nation of Israel. But that's not what Paul's teaching here. We know that 
from the days of the garden, as I just shared. We know from the days of Noah. We know from the days after the flood, even, that sin was as rampant then as it is now. Sin was as rampant before the law came as it is today. So here's what this does mean. This means that where the law didn't exist, a full understanding, a full knowledge of what's wrong didn't exist either. See, man didn't know that sin's going to cost you more than you want to pay. Man did not understand that sin is going to take you further than you want to go. Man didn't understand that sin is going to keep you longer than you want to stay. And when the line is drawn by the law, the first thing we want to do is step over it. So the law reveals sin. The law also revives sin. But I want to show you that the law also ruins sinners. Look in verse 9 with me in Romans 7. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found brought death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Verse 9, Paul says, you know what? There was a time, there was a time when I felt alive. There was a time when he was following after the law, when he was keeping it externally, that he thought that's what was required for him to go to heaven. All you got to do is just do this and you'll go to heaven. That's what Paul thought. He was keeping the law in order to gain eternal life. But act, and actually, the Bible says he was doing real good. If there was ever a man that was doing real good at keeping the law, it was Paul. But he still failed. And when the Spirit of God opened his eyes, that God's law could be broken in the heart just as easily as it could be the flesh, something happened to Paul. And the Bible says, what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. See, it works the same way with me and you. It works the same way with me and you because we need to see ourselves as we really are. We need to recognize that through the eyes of God and through the eyes of the law, you ain't all that. Amen. kind of shatters your self-image a little bit, don't it? But when you have an increasing awareness of your sin, we talked about this on Wednesday morning, and I came away from that Bible study with an increasing awareness of how sinful I am, and I didn't like it. But it was the Word of God that pointed it out to me. It was the law of God that revealed it to me. And friends, that's why this this idea of understanding sin is the first and most vital step to salvation. You cannot ever be found unless you first realize that you're lost. That's why even children need to understand that they're sinners, but I haven't been living long enough to sin. You ask a little kid, have you ever lied? And he'll tell you no. 
and he just lied. Before you can be found, you got to realize you're lost. And then in verse 10, Paul says that he first trusted the law to give him eternal life. But all he got in return was condemnation. All he got in return was death. All he got in return was an eternity in hell. Why? Because the law can't save. Keeping a list of do's and don'ts can't save you. This law, this word of God that was given to us, God uses it to bring life, but the law itself can never give life. This is a lesson that many of us need to learn today. It's all Jesus. Say all Jesus. It's all Jesus. But there's many that are trusting in some religious work. There are many who are trusting in some religious activity to get them to God, but every one of them fail. They all fall short because nothing saves the soul but Jesus. It's all Jesus. Acts 4.12 tells us so much. For there is no other name given in heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. And then in verse 11, the Bible says that sin had taken an opportunity that the, Lord, the law afforded and lulled Paul into believing that he could somehow keep this law and be saved. But when Jesus opened his eyes, oh, friend, when Jesus opened his eyes, Paul realized that living under the demands of the law was nothing more than living death. And it was impossible. Do you know somebody who's trying to good their way to God? You ever met somebody who said, as soon as I quit this bad habit, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Well, you quit that bad habit, and guess what another one does? The Bible will reveal to you something else you need to do. You can't good your way to God because it never works. So the law reveals sin, the law revives sin, and man, that law ruins sinners eternally. But finally, the law reflects sin. Look in verse 12. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. He concludes there, the commandment of God is, it's good, it's holy, it's just. Would you agree that the Bible is a good thing? I would think, think so too. So if there's a problem with the Bible, it's not with the Bible who's the problem with? Me and you. The problem is not with God's word, it's with us. See, there are many in our day who don't want to hear the Bible preached in its entirety. There are many that don't want to hear about things like sin, accountability. They don't want to hear about things like judgment. And being held to res responsible to the standards of God. They don't want to hear that. In fact, there are even Christians who don't want to hear about God's demand that we give all to Him. 
There are Christians that don't want to hear the demand that Christ makes on the believer that we should give everything we have to Christ. Because there is such great and desperate need in the world. But for some reason, we don't want to hear that. Listen carefully, y'all. There's nothing wrong with this Bible. It just needs to be preached. The problem is with those who ignore this word of God after they hear it. This word is holy, just, and good. And then finally, Paul says that this holy and just and good word of God has been given to reveal the truth about our sin. You see, sin can be so doggone deceptive. This tool was meant to be an instrument of life. But sin manipulates it into being an instrument of death. This book, this holy word of God, was given to us to point us to Jesus. From cover to cover, it's all about pointing us to Christ. Galatians 3.24 tells us, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And so the law was given so that we would see our need for a Savior and that we would turn to Him and be saved. The law was never given as a means to make you righteous. The law was never given as a means to save your soul. The law was never given... In any of those ways, the law was given as a signpost pointing you to the only way that people can be saved, and that is Jesus. You see, there's a problem with the law. It can't get the job done. It can't get the job done, but it can make you so miserable It can make you so miserable in your present condition that you just got to find something better. But there is one who got the job done. Jesus got the job done. And friends, this is why the Bible has got to be continually preached in its entirety, cover to cover. This is why we must continue to call sin by its name. What's the name of sin? Sin. Why? Because people need to see the truth about their sin condition. They need to see the truth that they can't do anything about their sin condition. Because until they do, they will never be saved. So friends, this morning, I pray that you can see that the law can do a great many things about sin. The law can reveal sin, it can revive sin, it can ruin sinners. Friend, it can reflect sin, but there's one thing the law can't ever do about sin. The law can never remove sin.
For that, we're going to need the blood of Jesus. So where do you find yourself today? Are you trying to do good by keeping the law? Are you trying to good yourself to God? He wants you to know that it'll never work. Because if that could have worked, he would have never sent his only begotten son to you. So I pray that when you walk out this door today, you will be trusting in Christ and him alone for your salvation. This is a wonderful tool. It points out where we blow it. But that's all it can do is cause change. So I pray today it's only Jesus or nothing at all. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice at the power of your word to point out our sin, to point out our need for change, to point out our need to make a difference as believers. But Father, it also directs us like a signpost to your Son, the only means by which men and women can be saved, to Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's one here today who has never given their lives to Christ, they'd wait no longer. They wouldn't try to wait until they're good enough. They wouldn't try to good themselves to God. That's impossible. But they would just accept by faith Jesus Christ stepped out of the glory of heaven, walked on this earth for 33 years, ministering, serving, and blessing you. And then at the appointed time, he gave his life on an old rugged cross where he died and was buried and rose again three days later, conquering death once and for all that those who place their faith and trust in Him could know that when this life is over, they will have conquered death as well. And their eternity will be spent in the glory of heaven with our Lord and our Savior, God. Father, only you can cause a decision. Lord, I pray it happens today for these in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.